Well, we are going to continue in the series that we just started last week on uh, in First Peter. We're going to be here for a while, so get familiar with where First Peter is in your Bible. Go way to the far right end of your Bible. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. Back it up a few books, and you'll be in First Peter, uh, one of two letters that the Apostle Peter wrote. And this one he wrote to believers in the northern, what would today be uh, northern Turkey. And, uh, and we're going to continue today. We're talking about hope. We're calling this Hope Alive. If you've got a, a bulletin with you, you should have a sermon uh, a message outline there. You can follow along and fill in. You know, it does seem like not a week goes by when we're not faced with some more tragedy or trouble or terror in the news, calamity of some kind this week. It was assassination attempt on all those Republican lawmakers. It was the apartment fire in London. Uh, it was the UPS shooting in San Francisco. It was the Bill Cosby trial. You know, not to mention just the ongoing, you know, political gridlock we live with, all this hateful national divisiveness. Uh, it's, it's, you know, that's not even really the important things in life, right? We have to say farewell to our friends. We have conflict in our families. We still have that mortgage hanging around. You know, it can be really depressing if you start thinking about all the things that cause trouble in your world and in your life. Years ago, when we did not have social media and instant access to all this calamity, I think it was a little bit easier to ignore things. I think bad things happened. We just didn't hear about it as much. But one thing becomes abundantly clear each with each week that goes by that we are I think really not living in the best of times. As good as we have it in our country, uh, it just seems to be a lot of trouble. We, we, um, we all, you know, it's, you know, that's kind of a funny way to talk about Happy Father's Day. And I'm going to tell you about all these things are going wrong in the world. But the point is that we all need some hope. We all need some hope. You came here today for some good news. You wanted to be lifted up a little bit. Uh, hear that, hey, it's going to be okay no matter what I've been through. It's going to be all right. You did not need to be, you know, having me remind you of all the things that are wrong. But look, you, you know all this already. I read this week that in the United States, right, comfortable, prosperous, you, you know, blessed United States, greatest, you know, great place to live, that we are third worst in the world for depression and anxiety after China and India. Can you believe that? Why, what, do, what do we have to be depressed and anxious about? Well, one in five adult Americans, and this will include, uh, you know, probably many of us in this room at some point in our lives, but one in five Americans, they say, has, does, or will struggle with depression or anxiety in their lifetime. Um, that doesn't feel very hopeful, does it? If you've been through that, you, you know it. You, you, you could say, yeah, I, that, that does not feel hopeful when that hits. You need hope. I'm not sure that you can even live without hope. Life's, you know, not always throwing curveballs, but, but if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We all need a reason for hope. We all need a reason for hope. When the Apostle Paul wrote to these believers in, in what's Turkey today, he, he knew he was writing to people who were under duress. They were, they were, uh, you know, having been persecuted. Um, they were, they were living as strangers in a strange place. He called them foreigners, exiles. And yet, he affirmed that they were known by God, that they'd been made holy by, made holy by the Holy Spirit, and that they'd been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So it was not an easy time for them, but he wrote to remind them of this incredible, fantastic hope that we have. So we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3, and uh, picking up where we left off from last week. 
I know you've been standing for a while, but if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. First Peter chapter one, verse three, and we'll read through verse 13. He writes this, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation or literally living hope. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's been kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Verse 6, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him and and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The result of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. Verse 12, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Finally, verse 13. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. Friends, no matter... What's going on in your life today, no matter what you're facing, um, you know, whether or not things are going well or or not so well, you either need a boost of hope today or at some point you're going to need a boost of hope. And Peter says that hope is yours if you want it. As he says in verses three and four, it's it's by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we live with great expectation, or as I said, it's literally living hope. And we have a priceless inheritance. Think about that inheritance. Some of you have an inheritance that, that, you're, that honestly, you kind of look forward to, right? Inheritance kept in heaven, this is different, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he made your rebirth, new life, possible for you. And he, 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 when you put your, your trust in him, he exchanges your old life and gives you new life. And then that's the bonus of eternal life after you die. That's the reason for hope. But the focus of salvation, the focus of your hope cannot simply be on me, myself, and I. It can't only be here. It has, the focus has to be on God, our Father. And let me, let me try to explain it this way. Let's, let's say you're taking a college class. And you know, you're a pretty good student. You know, you're, you're kind of smart. And you're probably going to do okay. And it so happens that you've got a great prof. And uh, th- that prof really knows their stuff. And so you're in class. And you spend all your time just thinking about, I am such a good student. I'm going to do so well. I'm going to ace that exam. Yeah. 
this is going to go so good for me. You're just daydreaming every class. You're like, I'm a really good student. I really like this subject. And you just think about it like it's all, you know, just kind of focused on yourself. Well, how well do you think you're going to do in that class? Not very well. Because you can't just kind of meditate on how good you are. You got to pay attention, shift your focus, right? Look up to that that professor, that teacher, and uh, and listen and pay attention, take notes and and give your you know, give your, in a sense, honor to that prof while they're speaking. Well, it's the same with God, our Father, right? Yes, I've been saved, and that makes me saved and, and holy child of God. I've got to keep that identity in mind all the time. But if I only think about myself and how great it is that I'm saved, and I forget to praise the Savior, I'm going to fail the exam. I'm going to lose hope. I, I'm not going to do well. You know, we started this this, this morning singing... Um, uh, praise will rise as we wait, uh, wait upon the Lord. I wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Our God. Um, you reign forever. I mean, when you stand up and you sing a song like that and you're singing it to God, that inspires something in you. That, that like says, yeah, I, I worship the God that's going to reign forever. That's good news. That gives me some hope. I, that takes the eyes off me and puts it on Him. And that's how you, that's how you hope. Peter says in verse 3 that all praise to God the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's saying, look, if your, if your perspective is not God oriented through praise, your hope is going to bounce up and down like kids on a trampoline. You can write it down this way. Your hope begins with praise to God. Hope begins with praise to God. See, when we, when we gather, when we sing, when we, you know, when you read scripture on your own, when you journal in your devotional time, you are bringing praise to God. And praise gives you a hope-oriented perspective. It just does. Um, hope begins with praise. Praise is, is unselfish and, and unpretentious. True praise is actually uninhibited. You kind of don't care what other people think about you. You don't worry too much. You know, uh, you, you know some of you are, are comfortable. Some of you aren't comfortable raising your hands and you do it anyway because you don't really care what people think. You just want to worship God. Um, you know, it, it's about a heart of praise. It doesn't worry about styles or 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 the, the music or, or what happens. I know I'm kind of focusing a little more on our corporate worship together, and we want to bring our best. And as musicians, we want to bring our best, of course. But corporate praise is really important because because how it it can encourage us and teach us, and and it takes some discipline to say yes. I don't care what others think. I don't, I, I'm not too worried about, about even my own preferences. I am here to worship God no matter what. Here's another way to illustrate it. I am married to a really wonderful woman, and I can honestly say I married up, way, way up. I like to tell people I won the marriage lottery. Um, I, I did, honestly, I did really well. And, um, and now, Here's the thing about marriage. If I just, like in my relationship with Becky, if I only focus on, like, my needs and getting what I want and, and making sure I'm happy, she's honestly still really good to me because she's, she's just amazing that way. But, but it somehow isn't very satisfying. But when I turn that around and I focus on her and I serve her and I put her needs first and I please her, guess what happens? Everything is better. The whole relationship is inspired. It's, it's awesome. 
It's the same thing with God. When I focus on pleasing God through praise and through worship, when I lift them up in, in honest, genuine gratitude, my whole life gets calibrated, gets lined up properly. And it, it, it's blessed and it's an, it's an awesome experience. So hope begins with praise to God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, and, and Peter would not say that life is all a bowl of cherries, so to speak. Your hope will be tested. Look, look what Peter says there in verses 6 and 7. He says, so be truly glad. There's, there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I would say it this way. Tested hope will be rewarded. Tested hope will be rewarded. Um, you know, Gary, I just so appreciated what you, what you just said about kind of what some of the things you're going to experience when you go to Malawi and you share this testimony of a guy who says, I put my hope in Jesus and then he's got to come face to face with the, with the man who's murdered his parents. His hope in Jesus is being tested. Do I really trust in God's salvation for me and anybody I preach to? Right. That's a tested hope. Peter's comparison here is to that of, of the purification of gold. Gold has to, has to be put through a refining process which is really intense, right? To, to test it, to remove impurities. All that has to happen before you can make some valuable jewelry from it. Well, when I'm in the mountains, I occasionally get a chance to go hiking and I, and I love it. And, and, and I'm always hoping, I'm always hoping that, you know, that some like really good nugget got missed in the gold rush era. Then I'll come across the stream and be like, hey, what's that? What's that there? Oh, look at that. It's a big old nugget. And I'll be like, oh, this is fantastic. I'm going to cash this in. I'm going to pay off the mortgage. We're just going to be living large for a while. Yes. Right. That's what I'm always hoping will happen. So far, that hasn't happened. Um, but, you know, even if I did find something like that, it really wouldn't be of a lot of value until it's been refined and prepared so that it can be used. Well, there, there are people in your life who have, who have, who have given up on the gospel because they were tested, as we're talking about, and they were found lacking. A college professor challenged their, their beliefs, or a loved one died young, or, or maybe they struggled with their own sexual feelings and couldn't reconcile with, 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 with what they were feeling, with what they had been taught about God, and so they ditched their faith and, and decided to take their chances. And, and maybe you walked through some of that too in this, like this testing, well, you, you know, it's a tested hope that will endure. Peter says, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day Christ Jesus is revealed. The New Living Translation is actually a little bit awkward in its wording there because it says that, uh, you know, will bring you much praise. It's not that we get the praise and honor and glory, but it's that, it's that it brings us the praise that God Gets it's praise, glory, and honor always goes to God. But even the apostle uh, Paul wrote in in Colossians three that when Christ returns, He will share His glory with you. He will share His glory with. Think about that. Jesus, the 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 Lamb of God, the Lamb who was slain, the one who secured your salvation. It says will share His glory with you who believe and have been faithful. I don't I don't feel like I deserve to share any of that, but He's going to. In His grace, in His mercy, 
And, and, and that's where our hope is. Peter says you have an inheritance. Think about estates and trusts and wills. Right? If you don't have an estate taken care of, and you're an adult, you need to make sure you do that. I can tell you how to get that done, but you've got to get that done. But think about this. There's an inheritance that God is holding for you, He's keeping for you in heaven to be enjoyed for eternity if you'll endure the necessary hardship to get there. My, my, my point is this. You cannot simply expect to have a significant, genuine, honest you know, faith, rewarding, fulfilling faith if you've never wrestled through your doubts or shed some tears of anguish before God. Hope or faith is another word for it. Really isn't faith if you've never had to put your weight on it. Right? The other day I was, I was going across the, I was going north on the 41 toward Madeira and I noticed that Caltrans or someone is building a, redoing a bridge beside us there. I don't know what it's for, but there's another bridge going in. And I thought, well, wouldn't that be interesting if they built that bridge but never let anybody on it? Alright? Well, that's, you know, that's kind of like someone who has faith but never lets it be tested. I don't know if it's really faith if you've never Put your weight on it. If you've never had to lean into it, if you've, if you've never had to trust your life to your faith, is it really faith? As, as Peter says then in verses 8 and 9, you love him even though you've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Faith and joy are inextricably linked. Faith and joy are always connected. I'll bet you've never made, met a faith-filled person who isn't joyful. You notice that? Think about it. The, the, the people that really have great faith seem to have great joy. Because they're not panicked about how things are going to turn out. The greater their faith, the greater their joy. He even calls it an inexpressible joy. So, so what's Peter's advice to these people? Well, to, to borrow a phrase from the culture, keep calm and hope on. Keep calm and hope on. You know, as an example here, Peter points to the prophets of old times. These, these, those old time prophets were, were talking about things and pointing to things they didn't understand and they couldn't understand. But they had hope anyway. They were, they were, they were speaking of things they didn't know if it was going to happen in their lifetime or, or a hundred generations in the future. They just spoke what God was giving them to speak, but it was for our benefit. They had hope, even though they didn't know fully. That was, that was Paul's and Peter's example here. And then through time, God has revealed more and more of himself and more and more of his plan of salvation, ultimately revealing salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, there's something important. We get a little confused sometimes between Old Testament and New Testament. We think, well, should I just live like the Israelites lived? Or do, do, I, do I follow the New Testament? Or is it, what, what is it? Is it both? Look, if you only live by copying what the, what the ancient Israelites knew, you're going to come up short. You're going to be lacking because um, th- there was, they had a limited revelation of God and of God's plan of salvation. Right? There, in, the, in the meantime, God has revealed more and more of himself. And so it's up to us to believe up to the extent that we've been shown. It's up to us to live up to the to the to the reach of, of what we've been what we've been given, what's been made known to us. And you can believe it or you can reject it. But that's the place. So 
their ancient way of believing would be insufficient today. That's part of what Peter's saying here. Look, the prophets, they, they believed what they knew, but they didn't know very much. We know a lot more, so it's up to us to have faith that goes to, to what we've been shown so far. Now, what we can do is what those prophets were doing, is keep calm and hope on. Right? And, and in, in doing so, you live life like God is in control and Jesus is returning. Because he says there in verse 13, so think clearly. Exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ Jesus is revealed to the world. Think about this for a moment. Looking forward. What do you look forward to? Or to what do you look forward to you English experts out there? Okay. You, you teachers, those of you who are school teachers, you've been, you've been looking forward to summer break. Some of you were just simply looking forward to the weekend. So some of you, some of you are looking forward to Monday so you can get back to whatever it is that you do during the week. Right? Some of you are looking forward to Father's Day dinner today or a picnic. Some of you are disappointed that you didn't get that phone call yet. Hopefully it shows up. I called my dad yesterday because I know Sundays I'm kind of a basket case and I can't remember to get anything done. So my dad got his a day in advance. We, we might look forward to even a vacation. Those things are all good. All those things are good to look forward to. We love to look forward to those things. But what about looking forward to the day of the return of Christ Jesus? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about looking forward to the day of Jesus' return? We don't know when it will be, but did you know that every day it's one day closer? Every day it's one day closer. Do you look forward to that day? Does looking forward to the return of Christ inspire hope in you? Or does it inspire dread? Or maybe you're disinterested. Maybe you couldn't care less. What does it do for you to look forward to the day of Jesus' return? Peter says that if you have hope in the Lord Jesus, your life is going to live differently. You will live differently when your hope is in Him. While your peers are living fearfully about the turmoil in the world, they're thinking about terrorists and bad politics and home invasions, you're not afraid because your hope is where? It's in Jesus. It's not even in Smith & Wesson. Your hope is in Jesus. Right? While others are raging on about everything that's wrong with this president or the last president or the next president, you're not bothered. It doesn't worry you because your hope is not in elected leaders. Your hope is in God's promises. Your hope is in that day of Jesus' return when finally His full salvation will be revealed. And you'll be like, oh, okay, it all makes sense now. I'm glad I hung on. I'm glad I endured through the trials. I'm glad I was tested and was found faithful. The, the simple good news is this. You really, truly can live without fear. And instead, you can live filled with hope and joy when you have put your faith in Christ Jesus for that inheritance. That inheritance of eternal salvation. Look, God loved you before you knew Him. That's, that's well established. God loved you before you were born. God loved you from the foundation of the world. He knew all about you. And He calls to you. He's chosen you. He's drawing you to Himself. He wants you to fully trust Him. Fully, fully trust Him. 
God sent Jesus to the earth to die as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. He raised Jesus to life to, to prove that death and hell are disarmed. They don't have control over us. And one day, one day, Jesus will return to reward all those who trust in him. And that's what we call the gospel, the good news. It just comes back to us whether or not we want to be ready for that or not. Whether or not we want to trust in him. Your eternal inheritance is your reason for hope. Hope. If you want to live hope in a tangible way, it begins with praise. Make a habit of praising God whenever you have that opportunity. Speak your praise, sing your praise, read your praise, whatever you do. Hope really begins in praising Him. It calibrates your life properly. It orients your life properly. And and just know that your hope is going to be tested. It really will be tested at times. And it will be rewarded if you will keep calm and hope on. I invite you to just bow your head as we close in prayer. God, we, we thank you for hope. I thank you, God, that you sent Jesus. I, I don't know how anybody does it without Jesus. And Lord, we go through times of testing. We go through times when we have doubts. We're unsure. We don't know what the answers are. We, we can't see the end result. We, we wonder if you really hear us. Lord, people let us down. Our friends disappoint point us. Our, uh, our bodies disappoint us. Lord, our jobs disappoint us. Our finances disappoint us. All these things around us that, that let us down. But, Lord God, you don't let us down because you're holding an inheritance for all who will trust in you. And God, I, I just pray for each person here today, particularly anyone who's struggling today, wondering if it's, if it's really going to happen, if you're really going to come through. God, I ask that you inspire hope. Or for the person, people that maybe haven't even trusted you yet, I pray today would be the day of salvation. I thank you that you are a good, good father. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your great, great love for us. Help us to trust you, to keep our hope in you, and to live with the joy of a faith-filled life. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.